Professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where three friends come together to talk about the stories behind the matches. I'm Matt. Um, ten pounds of tit in a Budweiser bra. And I am Tom Delacheno. Welcome to episode 196, Massacre on Queens Boulevard. So yet another massacre. Massacre. I like mascar. Mass, yeah. <laughs> mascar is mass acre. Mascar is when it's NASCAR, but all the drivers are obese. Mass acre is yeah. <laughs> probably what it used to be back in the seventies. <laughs> it probably was. It's like ah, we're fat, but we'll stay awake because we've got speed, black beauties. We turn left at high speeds. How are you going to fall asleep? We turn left, but we're always right wing. <laughs> yeah, they are. So this was the only massacre on Queen Boulevard, produced by the ECW. It would take place on April 13th, 1996, from the Lost Battalion Hall in Queens, New York, with an attendance of 1,100 people. Old house. Mm-hmm. Didn't we do massacre on 100 and... Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's like, but that was like a Christmassy thing, right? Yeah. But that was also at the Lost Battalion Hall, right? Yep. Same building, just making sure. Yeah. So it was kind of a sequel show, but not really. That was a miracle on 34th Street mm-hmm. parody. I was going to say 110th Street, but that's just the song. Really good song. But we are back in New York. We are. So what did Shane bring us this week? Well, this week, with us being back in New York, I uh, did what I do and what tried to figure out what the hell can I find New Yorky in Oklahoma. And the most obvious answer was Pizza. Big old floppy slice. Um, that's right. And they delivered in all all ways. Found a, a hot new spot here called Rendezvous Pizza, which uh not for sure exactly when they opened up, but they've been around for a, a short time now because I haven't seen them before. But they specialize in both Detroit style and New York style pizzas, so we figured we'd go with Old Faithful. And we just went for a basic pepperoni. They've got the options for cheese or sausage, or then they've got some fancier toppings like a spicy New York. Uh, they've got one that's a queen margarita. They've got your buffalo chicken, that kind of deal. But yeah, you can't overdo the toppings on a New York slice. No, nah, that's like. why I'm glad I asked you guys which we should do because I was gonna go for the New York Supreme one, but. I don't know if it would have folded as nicely with all those extra toppings on there. This one here was a big old slice. Crust is nice and soft with some good little crispiness on the actual end of it. Thin crust with a you know fat crust ring around it. Simple sauce, nice and cheesy, and then uh, loaded with pepperonis. This one, I asked for some of what's known as red ranch, which is like a marinara or tomato sauce mixed with ranch. Yeah, I... Definitely go back, try more stuff that they have there. Absolutely. Yeah, the crust is important, and I feel like they did a very good job. Yes. It was uh, the right right kind of chewy. And see, I don't know if this is the place or if there's a different one, but there's some place that I've seen advertised 
or read about uh, where they have a special water machine or something like that that gives Make them it the New York water. Yes, basically <laughs> to give it the the New York water. I think this might be the place because I I saw that the other day too. Yeah, I couldn't remember if this was it or not. We but if it is, liters of water. It New works. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It was like I said, I noted the crust and I didn't know that. So yeah, uh, that's cool. It's better than at least one slice of pizza that I've had in New York City. But it was a dollar slice, and it was also the worst slice pizza I've ever had. So you know, but I'd have I have had good pizza. But I mean, a dollar slice for a slice of New York style pizza probably can't, used can't be too to, mad about probably it. Probably used to be better, but this one tasted like they just strained the spaghettios out of the can <laughs> and used that as the sauce. It was, mm. it was bad, but hey, Franco America. It was ninety nine cents, brother. Yeah, Rendezvous Pizza. If you're ever in Oklahoma City, give them a check. There's one downtown on uh, Sheridan. Then there's also the one that I ordered from over in Quail Springs. And yeah, those are the only options that they have in Oklahoma City. So Yeah, I'm always looking for a uh, pizza spot that's that I can order delivery that is not a, a Donimo's. A Domino's. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I'm, I'll definitely be checking this one out whenever I feel like spending more than ten dollars on pizza yeah <laughs> well, you can, they've got daily slices available oh nice it's had some good sandwiches salad options gets uh two thumbs up for me yes absolutely very, very tasty pizza well also something that would happen right around the same time as this show the young anna taylor joy would be born a few days later a rising star in, in American film today. Mm -hmm. uh, exactly. I mean, I think we all first saw her in The Witch. The Witch. The Witch. No. You should watch The Witch, Shane. It's a so very, heard, it's very I've only good. ever seen her in, uh, what's it called? Switch? Split. 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 That's what it was, not Switch. That's a different movie. <laughs> yeah. I saw her in Split. I've heard of her great career that she's had since then with the queen's gambit and yeah i didn't watch that one i heard bunch that, other that, show, that show was like there's so many tv shows now that if one like breaks through it's people talk about it for a month and that one might have lasted people for people talking about a month and a half yeah it's pretty good these days because I mean, that's million... kind of what happens with netflix shows because yeah but, they come and go real quick but not so. all and not all of them that's for sure <laughs> some of them make returns when they mm -hmm. don't need to I'm gonna have to check it out though. I've heard lots of good things about the Queen's Gambit. And yeah, I think she uh, does pills and plays chess in her underwear. Which That's... should be incentive enough because she's a beautiful young lady. So, <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't like chess? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some other things she's been in last night in Soho. She was unfortunately in the New Mutants, which she was probably actually the best part of the mm -hmm. entire movie. But, and yeah, last night in Soho, there's some really great performances in that movie, but I would say that it was maybe the first true miss by Edgar Wright. Is New Mutants an X-Men movie? Yeah. Yes. Okay. It was a, de a developmental hell movie that like had been made and was just like sitting around for two years, and then they finally dropped it in January, the whole fuck you, it's January movie lineup. They're like, okay, we dump all of our shit in well, January. No, they didn't even do that. They didn't? No. So it was supposed to got made and like Maisie Williams coming off Game of Thrones was supposed to, it was supposed to be her first big starring role and everything and then the whole Fox developmental thing happened because wow. Disney bought them and it was supposed to release and then they were like no uh well Fox was going to release it and then 
they were like, we don't like the director's cut. So they went in and redid it. And then it got put back into the schedule. And then it got back to the schedule. And then, then Disney had bought Fox. And so then it got put back into it. And then it finally got released in the middle of the pandemic. Like, it was like one of the first movies released into the theater after the pandemic happened. Oh, really? And so, like, literally no one went and saw it. Nope. It's not a good movie. Absolutely. Because it basically... I, I went and saw it, but it's it's an X-Men movie trying to be a horror film. Sounds like it could be cool. Okay. And the idea is there, but it it doesn't quite make that decision that it wants to be a full-on horror movie instead of a x-men superhero movie so it's two genres so it's, are down. so it's trying it it, it it basically bumps heads and so it doesn't quite get to the level it needs to on either and so that's where it there the, if you watch it you can see that there there's something there yeah that would have been really good because the acting is actually pretty good hmm. like especially anna taylor jory Maisie williams are really good at it i don't know yeah i don't know who else are we gonna get a zach taylor or Zack Taylor, Zack Snyder cut of it. No, that's DC. that's DC. <laughs> I hope not. I'm pretty sure that they're just going to leave all those X-Men movies behind and redo the X-Men yeah, in like a decade. Yeah, just completely reboot them completely. Mm-hmm. Um, they find Wolverine because anybody else can play anybody else. Nobody and then cares. of course, I mean, she's been in a couple movies that have actually just recently released in The Menu and Amsterdam. Yeah, Menu's in the theaters now. It looks pretty fun. I did not see Amsterdam, but Amsterdam is our... I feel like it was the first that and see how they run where it's like everyone was like oh knives out was a big hit what if we all try to do a mystery movie i'm basing this only on the trailers because i haven't seen these movies that is see how see how you see how they run that's that is what that is yeah knives out did really well let's see what we can do amsterdam is david o russell so uh, it's him doing the same kind of thing, but it is still a David O. Russell film. So he's he made that movie that I hated, right? The one that won against Scorsese, even though it was Probably. just a bad Scorsese ripoff. American, not American Gangster. Make, uh, what, uh, American Hustle. American Hustle. Yeah, stinky movie that won an Oscar. Like David O. Russell movies, he gets these really good acting performances usually, yeah. but the movie themselves usually isn't that great. Yeah. Like the writing. I can tell you that I did not care for American Hustle. And I still have never actually watched all of American Hustle. I remember watching the intro to it and thought, cool, he's doing like I did, or like I wanted people to do, where when they're making stuff that takes place in the 70s, they're using cameras that were actually used in the 70s. Just watch a Scorsese movie instead. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, even I any more Scorsese movies you're getting. Don't, biggest, you, don't you say it. David Russell's biggest movie. Yes, but it's great. Uh, I had to stop. Russell's biggest movies are probably Three Kings, Silver Lining, Playbook, and The Fighter. Okay, I like Silver Linings. I've never seen Three Kings, but I've only heard people say Three Kings was great. The Fighter was good. The fighter was great. So, Silver Linings I mean, was like, I remember being, like, it was very watchable, but it didn't really connect with me in any strong Christian Bale and Melissa Leo and The Fighter were fucking incredible. And then, of course, she has the, uh, her next two big movies are, she's the voice for Princess Peach. In the Mario Brothers animated well, film uh, that's coming uh, out, Wahoo, and then uh, Furiosa. Yeah, she's playing Furiosa, a young Furiosa. Yeah, give me some more. Come on, yeah, the more George Miller, the better. Please and thank you. Always and forever. But we celebrate Anna Taylor Joy. Hopefully, she has a wonderful career. It's not feel good start either way. And 
we'll continue to see great things from her. And hopefully, we get a few great things out of Queens Boulevard. Bring it on, ECW. So what do you got? That's a good slice. Let's see what else we got. So we get the name, location, and date. Screen as it bounds towards us. Very screensaver. We've seen these before. And Joey Styles welcomes us to the show. Before we go straight to our first match of JT, the extreme Italian Stallion. Hey, Smith. And Damian really Stone good. versus the Dudleys of Bubba Ray and Big Dick Dudley with Dances With and Sign Guy Dudley. And JT drapes his Italian flag over the shoulders of Joel Gertner before taking the mic to say he was researching his family tree and discovered that his cousin was right here at ECW. Little Guido. Hey. Hey, it's a better name than Damien Stone. Yeah, because you know what? They got a lot of Damien's on this fucking show, so Too many it's good Damien. to switch one over. It is the kind of the worst name for a wrestler. <laughs> Stone doesn't believe him at first until Smith tells him he's from Sicily. So the two men are like, ah, they do a traditional... Italian kiss on each cheek. It's very cute. Yeah. JT's having fun. Oh, yeah. JT has lots of fun. And he's getting the booze. And we see he dances with. He actually gets stretchered out because he was injured the night before by the headhunters. So I thought that was like, just leave him in the back. But, <laughs> but they literally have him on like a stretcher. Like, yeah, and dances with Dudley is the most useless Dudley because he's not funny and at this point he doesn't really wrestle sign guy is at least a joke big dick is big kind of a dick yeah that's true <laughs> bubba starts to stutter through his name but but when a new dudley hits the ring it's Devon. oh fuck you know what all i could think was about goddamn time because i've had enough of this fucking I've had enough of this motherfucker, and it's, yeah, and That's Bubba right. is fresh air that I desperately need. Give me the Dudleys that I know and love, and mm. boom, there he is. Devon starts screaming at his brothers and reminds them of who they are before giving JT and Guido the Dudley commandments. Number one, thou shall not steal. Number two, thou shall not kill. And number three, thou shall not fuck with the Dudleys. I thought you were about to just say, nah, shut up, fuck. And I was like, I don't know. Devon then attacks Smith and Stone, taking Guido to the floor, running him into a guardrail while JT low blows Bubba Ray. Devon's destroying Stone with a chair. While in the ring, Bubba hits a sidewalk slam and a corner splash. Bubba Ray with a body slam before heading up top for a splash. But Smith moves in time to avoid and follows up by capitalizing with a handspring splash, making the cover, only for Devon to stop it with a chair shot. And Devon just keeps working over JT and Guido. He ends up breaking the chair over them. Yeah. Yeah. So He's coming he, in with the, the fire, man. New character. So he goes looking for a new weapon, Big Dick's Crutch, and he just continues to lay out everyone including the ref, until officials call for the bell, making Smith and Stone your winners by disqualification. What a debut by Devon. He's just bringing the fire. Motherfucker lost his voice yelling into the mic. <laughs> Devon then takes the mic, repeats the commandments, what? all, now they're all while leaving his voice. 
before Bubba Ray is tossed a frying pan, who uses it over the head of the ref and counts a three count. The crowd wants Bubba to dance, and Big Dick finally allows it before they head to the back. JT then rolls back into the ring and taunts everyone with that that they beat the Dudleys. So Devon then runs back down to the ring to beat them down once again. I mean, they put him over like, like a motherfucker. This went on a little long, yes. but, I mean, Devon brought the energy up quick. Oh, hell yeah, he did. We, we needed him, and... Uh, Said he put all of himself into it by losing his voice in this segment. And then it just, it made me realize that Devon always had that preacher man vibe inside of him coming out yep. here, mm-hmm. you know, saying the uh, the commandments because once the Dudley split in the WWE, he became Reverend Dion, Dion, Devon. And it didn't make any sense to me then, but now it makes total sense. Yep, it's like, ah, he's, he, it was just one of the, I think he can do naturally. Yep. So, you know. Testify. So we go to our second match. Billy Black Ooh. versus Hack Myers. <laughs> yeah. So I wonder who will win this, as we say. Black's claim to fame was that his tag team partner on the indies would become the future Bull, Bull Buchanan. Oh. BB and BB, eh? I don't... Um, Billy Black, Bull Buchanan. Should I know Bull Buchanan? He's in right to censor? Um, he's in right to censor. He had a, I can't remember if he had a partnership with John Cena at one point. I think maybe. I, can't I know he's in right to censor at least. Okay, I know some of the. I guess they've had a few different censor groups in yeah, WWF. Stevie. Yep. I'm not saying Billy Black ever becomes anything like. Just. Yeah. I just, thought that was an interesting yeah, note. For sure, for sure. I mean, he's definitely. Now, I kept looking at him, wondering if he became anything, and not, I don't recognize him at all. So as soon as Hack gets in the ring, Billy attacks, choking Myers with a chain in his vest before tossing him out to the floor. Black would then come off the top rope with a double axe handle before rolling Hack into the ring for a two count. Billy with some more chokes and knees when Myers would start firing up with shaw punches. Toss Black to the floor before coming off the apron with a double axe handle of his own. Hack would whip Billy towards the guardrail where he does a flare flip into the crowd. With Myers following out to brawl their way back to the ring. Hack's keeping up the attack with a vertical suplex for a near fall, but Black responds with a vicious right hand, a back suplex, and a top rope bulldog, which Myers bumps late on and the crowd lets him know about it. You fucked up. You fucked up. I mean, yeah, he. I just thought he was like, "Ah, I'm not taking this from Billy Black, but it's like, oh, it's just. It's just a mistake. I wasn't sure if he was doing some dickhead shit or he just truly fucked up. But uh, either way, who cares? It's Hack Myers. Billy hits an elbow (laughs) drop before applying a body scissors to wear down Hack. But once they're back to their feet, Black hits a leg lariat into the corner. Followed by a body slam and heading up top for a moonsault. Where he completely misses as Myers rolls out of the way. So, tough landing. Hack then answers with shaw punches, elbows, and an apron leg drop before delivering a top rope face buster for the pin and and the win. These missed moonsaults, man. Everybody be missing moonsaults. Meanie, now... Billy Black. Billy Black. uh, The headhunters, which those guys should not be missing. They shouldn't be doing moonsaults. My God. 
Man, if I could, I would. But those guys I mean, weigh can. a lot more than you, you should, Shane. Probably shouldn't. They're like three Shanes or more. I, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I think it's just a backflip. Yeah, yeah. And I've never been skilled enough to do one of those. Yeah, I'm not trying to find out. <laughs> just find a trampoline, I guess. It's not that hard. You can do a backflip on a trampoline. Yeah, I'm too scared to do it. I can't break my I can't break my neck. We go to our third match: El Puerto Riquano. And Joel Hartgood versus the Eliminators, Perry Saturn and John Cronus, for the ECW World Tag Team Championships. Yeah, I wonder who will win. I'm, I'm stumped. <laughs> the Eliminators attack as soon as they're in the ring, giving both men belly-to-belly suplexes, kicks, stereo lion salts, before delivering a chair-assisted doomsday device to both men. The Eliminators then hit total elimination on both for stereo pins and win. Oh, uh, yeah. The stereo pin kind of a little upsetting, but it's obviously just the visual because everybody knew it was going to win. Pop the crowd with the Eliminators being badasses. Post-match, Saturn gets the mic and calls out the gangsters, with New Jack and Mustafa emerging from the crowd with a trash can full of weapons. They brought their toys. And their music just continues to play the entire time that they are beating on the Eliminators with any and all kinds of plunder. Mm -hmm. The locker room empties as wrestlers try to stop the melee with the fans chanting, Let them go. Let them go. Joey Styles says, We'd like to show you this match, but it's not scheduled. As if that ever mattered in ECW. (laughs) I get what you're trying to do, but, you know... You can't have it both ways. Or maybe you can. Jack ends up attacking one of the people holding him back. And he just so happened to be a undercover cop. Oh my god. So the gangsters are put in cuffs and dragged are. out of the ring. Yeah, he was a plain a plain clothes police. As the crowd chants bullshit. Yep. I'm with you. Bullshit. You stepped in my world. That's right. So we go to our fourth match. Damien six six six. Versus Raven with Kimono Wanalea, Stevie Richards, and the Blue Meanie for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship. I would just like to point out, our Damien count for the show is now up to two. And the last time we saw him was the Super J Cup second stage back in episode 175. I know, I was like, oh, that's nice. We had a fun time with him. A show that I truly loved. And I believe that all of us yeah, enjoy it. So before the match gets going, a female fan jumps in the ring to start making out with Mimi. Ah, she probably got paid just as much as every wrestler on the show. I hope she got paid extra. No, I mean, I, I was going to say no shade with Mimi, but that's obviously, I mean, yeah. that was rude and I'm sorry. Yeah, a little, a little shade, a little blue shade, a little blue tinted shade. I'm sure direction. he's a sweet man. It always seems like it whenever I see him do some interviews. Oh, yeah. stuff. My heart went out for him when he couldn't get tickets to the Food Fighter concert <laughs> in the UK. Really, yeah. I had already got mine for California, so. They're tough tickets to get. I have a friend who that's his like, favorite band. He couldn't get them either. Oh, yeah. She even brings out the whipped cream to make a Sunday out of you. Ooh. Me, me, <laughs> Sunday. Mm. And I mean, I've heard Blue Monday, but Blue Sunday, no, no thank, thank you. you. Yeah. And along <laughs> with gamey, <laughs> and along with you guys, Raven was disgusted as well. Man. So he Raven showed an emotion. <laughs> so he grabs and threatens the young lady, which 
Kimona doesn't seem to like very much. Of course not. Get, she tries to get in the way. But Raven then slaps Wanalea. Mm. Now Stevie looks angry. And he ends up kicking Kimona before saying that's what happens to people who upset Raven. Mm. Richards then turns to Damien to call him a funny boy and says some other vaguely racist things, thinking he can't understand. But Damien just flips him off and yells, Fuck you! Yep. Always a fun moment for the foreign heel to just yell, Fuck you. <laughs> so the match gets going and they trade shoulder blocks where Damien hits a Rana for a two count. But Raven comes right back with a back body drop, only for Damien to recover to nail a DDT for a near fall. Damien with a drop kick that sends Raven out to the floor, and he falls out with a plancha and a top rope crossbody. The two men then fight around ringside, sending each other over guardrails into the crowd and using a chair before they return to the ring. And the crowd hands Damien another chair so he can deliver an Arabian face buster for a two count. And he tries to whip Raven, only for it to be reversed. But Damien leaps up and over a charging Raven, ducks a clothesline, and then tries for a head scissors, which Raven just shoves away to the apron. The two continue to trade strikes, allowing Damien to head up top for a crossbody for a near fall, followed by a second rope missile dropkick for a two count. Damien then heads to the top again, but Raven meets him there to crotch him before tossing him off into the guardrail, followed by coming off the apron with an elbow drop. Damien is thrown into the front row, but is dragged back into the ring, where Raven lands a headbutt and a falling fist to his 666s. Raven continues with stomps and a leg drop for a near fall, just completely working him over, but decides to pose allowing Damien to check for new baby chicks in the nest <laughs> before the nailing a spinning heel kick. Damien then calls for a chair from the crowd again, but it takes way too long, allowing Raven to recover and faceplant Damien into that chair. Raven then attempts a running chair shot to the corner. Damien moves and picks the chair up, using it across Raven's back multiple times. Damien then body slams Raven onto the chair for a two count before heading up top for a moonsault and a diving headbutt, both for near falls. There's a moment that where Damien, you know, Raven's flat on the mat, and Damien uh, runs over his body, like, just as he's, like, going to run the ropes, which I thought was very funny. Instead of, like, hopping over him, he just, like, walks across and back <laughs> or whatever. I was like, that's a nice touch. Damien goes up top one more time, but Raven catches him and power bombs him down. Followed by a DDT for the pin and, and the, the win. win. This is what we call fun slop. Yes. Which yeah. we don't always get. We get we get plenty of slop, but this was fun slop. Maybe it's because it was a new guy. Probably because it was just a fresh face that, well, we've seen before. We have not seen in ECW. And the shenanigans started at the beginning of the match as opposed to the typical... Let's have 14 people run at the end and cause the interference. Love the shenanigans at the beginning of the match in ECW. Yes. Just don't do shenanigans at the beginning and the end, which is mostly what you get. Typically, yeah. So Shane Douglas comes to, to the ring to talk to the crowd, and he calls the WrestleMania main event a shit match. Boo! Mocking Shawn Michaels and inviting him to ECW. But 
the Heartbreak Kid won't do it no. because ECW fans see through his shit gimmick. He's kind of busy right now. Pretty good gimmick. Maybe his shit personality? I mean, you got a, a shit personality talking about somebody with a shit personality. Not you, Shane. Not me, other Shane. <laughs> I don't know. Is Shane Douglas, a, was he a dickhead in real life? That's how his character was portrayed. A little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, he's a great shithead on microphone, but that doesn't mean anything about his real life. Whereas... I mean, I've heard that he's not the nicest person in real life. Yeah, so. yeah. But, yeah, he's not He's not quite the diva, because, no. obviously, you can't, be a, you can't be that big of a diva if you're not Sean... If you're not, if you're not getting paid the big bucks. True. So the franchise says he came to ECW to face the toughest... Son of a bitches in the sport, and he wants a match. He was supposed to face RVD, but he broke his wrist, so he can't face him. So Shane starts mocking Flair, Hogan, Razor Ramon, and Shawn Michaels again before calling out anyone in the locker room. The Blue Meanie runs out to the ring and starts to pose like Michaels until Shane, being very unimpressed, Says he doesn't want Meanie. He wants Raven. You fat fuck. But he's not coming out. Yeah, Raven just had a match. Axel Rotten then j- runs down to the ring and attacks Blue Meanie with a barbed wire bat. Before calling him fat and saying he wants to prove himself tonight. Slapping Douglas to get his attention. That'll do it. He calls Shane Douglas fat? No, he calls Meanie fat. Oh, yes. So does the crowd. But, um, yeah, Shane like, you can't call Shane Douglas. Like yeah, Shane exactly. Like, <laughs> my God. It's like, even when they call um, Too Cold fat, I'm like, yeah, but uh, Too Cold can do a fucking moonsault. He's a slim, I can't do a moonsault either. Ripped, uh-huh. I would love 238 pounds mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, I don't want his uh, pinched face or large ears, but the rest of them, I would not mind doing, uh, you know, a bit of a body swap. So that leads us into our fifth match. The franchise, Shane Douglas versus Axel Rotten. And Axel attacks, laying it in with punches and chokes on the franchise in and out of the ring, running him into a guardrail several times. They return to the ring where Shane begins to fire back with punches and chops, but Rotten slows his momentum with chin locks and an ab stretch, but Douglas escapes with a hip toss. Axel continues to focus on the franchise's back, ramming him into turnbuckles, hitting clotheslines, and a body slam before heading up top for a splash. But Shane avoids and fires up with right hands. Douglas then telegraphs a back body drop, so Rotten goes for a DDT, only for the franchise to block. It was kind of a weird, like, yeah, like Axel fell down, but Shane... Didn't stayed up, stayed yeah. Up. Like a lot of times with DAT, somebody might like back up real quick or whatever, which I assume is what they were looking for. Shane then hits an inverted atomic drop and a dragon screw leg whip that sends Axel out to the floor, only for Douglas to follow out with a plancha. The franchise then grabs a chair to use over the back of Rotten before they head back into the rink, but Axel knocks the chair into Shane's face to regain control. Douglas then reverses a whip only to miss a clothesline, but turns to nail a belly-to-belly suplex for the pin and the win. Post-match, the franchise takes the mic and gives Rotten some credit. The crowd is also chanting for Axel. 
saying he wanted competition like that in the WWF, before saying Axel has his respect and applauds his efforts. Brother, I respect you. It's funny that he said brother. Well, I know we recently said it, but about an Axel match, but this may have been one of the better Axel matches yes. just because he actually wrestled and it was mostly in the ring and Shane Douglas is pretty fucking great and yeah and it's nice that Axel had to had to work with somebody that's going to make him work and there was that one little weird spot but yeah. outside of that like it was I was, really I, was I was really engaged which if you yeah. listen to the show you know that our eyes have glazed over on Axel Rock matches. On Axel and uh, Ian, uh, and then Axel again. That's the same, because, yeah, I was trying to think of the other <laughs> the other rotten. Ian is the one that still does stuff in, um, where's Corny from? Louisville. Louisville. I, think, oh, okay. I, think, I think Ian, it's either Ian or Axel, but I think it's Ian still does stuff in Louisville. Louisville? Louisville? I tried to say it right. So we go to our sixth match. Chris Jericho versus Taz with Bill Alfonso and Team Taz in a hardcore shoot fight with Tom Delavano as a referee. Also, Todd Gordon and Alfonso will handcuff themselves together to prevent interference. I smell shenanigans. It smells like shenanigans? Uh, <laughs> so a little Delavano yeah, is a judo champion. So he's... Like, actually a real a real fighter. And Team Taz are actually some of Taz's students from his dojo. Nice. So I was wondering who those guys were. Did any of them go on to something? If you don't know, that's fine. No. No. Answer is no. Uh, Taz is actually looking a little more jacked. Mm-hmm. And Chris Jericho is billed as the last uh, out of the student dungeon of the or dungeon, something like that. Last student of the dungeon. Last yeah. student of the dungeon, yeah. And the only way to win this match is by knockout or submission. You know, it's a shoot fight. So Lionheart starts it off with kicks, while Gordon has to keep Fonzie in his chair. And the two men trade holds and takedowns when the human suplex machine delivers a side salto suplex, getting a six count. Jericho with some knees, but Taz transitions to several different holds, including a modified bow and arrow. Human suplex machine with a T-bone suplex. Off camera, I was so annoyed that they just keep cutting back to Bill and, um, I'm sorry. Todd, Gordon, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I get I get it, but you don't have to do it so often to the point where we're missing T-bone suplex. Yes, they, they are not the ones having the match. It is the two people mm-hmm. in the ring. You cut back to them a couple times, it's fine. Just have Alfonso yell from the outside something, because you know, yeah. that's all you need. Just hear he's there. It was just some, uh, some poor editing. Yes. Human suplex machine then goes for a German, only for Lionheart to flip through and take Taz down with a cross arm breaker. Once they get back to their feet, the two men are fighting over a waist lock, only for Jericho to gain the advantage to hit a German suplex that gets a five count. Now, one of Team Taz's members, Joey calls him Mako, would knock... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. He would knock the ref... Jim Molyneux out onto the floor to take the key for Alfonso's cuffs away and then goes and unlocks him. So while the camera is completely focused on that, somehow Lionheart has accidentally kicked Delavano. 
So Fonzie uses the opening to clock Jericho with a chair, allowing the human suplex machine to apply the Taz mission for the knockout and, and the, the win. win. Could have been a good match if we saw it. Post-match, Delvano is questioning why there's a chair in the ring. So everyone's like, oh, is he going to reverse decisions? But it was all a ruse. He's a rat! As he hits Gordon with the chair. Delvano and the human suplex machine then slap on stereo Taz missions to Lionheart and Todd. But once they release them, Alfonso then hands Delvano some money while the human suplex machine mocks Sabu's pose. Oh, so beautiful to see him do the Sabu pose like a little shithead. Can you imagine, like, somehow today I ended up catching, like, a fun, like, clip of uh, Samoa Joe where he does the thing where he just, like, walks away from a move, which is so cool. But Samoa Joe and Taz, like, at their prime would have been, been, been fun because, I mean, come on. Those two guys. Those two, those two guys. Each other, those two with each other. Mm-hmm. It would have been great either way. What a great tag team. It's like, these guys look the same, except for one is uh, a little flabbier, and then they turn on each other. And who's the better heel? Who knows? I think Joe might be the better talker. Probably. Joe can uh, Joe can talk. I mean, I don't know. Taz, Taz can talk. Taz can talk. Taz, yeah. Taz can talk. I mean, he's definitely gotten better over, over the years. So. so we go to our seventh match. The Bruise Brothers of Ron and Don Bruise and Primetime Brian Lee versus the Pitbulls of number one and number two and Tommy Dreamer with Beulah and Francine. So the last time we saw Brian Lee was at SummerSlam 94 as the Underfaker. Oh. That was episode 130. That's fun. Looks a little thicker. So everyone just starts brawling. Once they're in the ring. And they just end up all over the place. So you're telling me this is a match that involves the Bruise Brothers. And it immediately spills out into the crowd. Everyone's using chairs as they all make their way around the building and onto the bleachers. And the Pitbulls are choking the Bruise Brothers, but they fire back with low blows before using a wooden bench on Dreamer. And the fight ends up outside on Queens Boulevard where everyone gets rammed into the side of vans and a trash can is used. It's a massacre. I mean, this is kind of where they first started it, where they'll actually, like, in this building, they always go outside. I've seen it in that, in, they are typically here in the winter, it seems like. But yeah, we've seen it in the snow. We saw a car take off, very WWE style. So yeah, it's funny. Because whenever they're in the ECW arena, they never seem to make it outside. No. <laughs> but here, it's like, oh, we got a plan. Maybe it's just... Easier to get outside for the cameraman. They come back in the building and the match returns to the ring. With number one hitting an elbow to the midsection and a roundhouse kick for a two count on Dawn. A big boot from Dawn for a near fall while the rest of the competitors are still brawling around ringside. Ron is using a chair on Tommy in the crowd, but somehow Dreamer gets the chain himself to do some damage with. Number two uses a chair over the head of Lee and Ron, but Primetime comes back with a double noggin knocker of Tommy and number two. Number two and Ron now make their way into the ring, while number one is whipped into a chair held by Lee around ringside. Dreamer goes low to Primetime, while number two has Ron on the top turnbuckle for a super back suplex, only for the Bruise Brother to reverse in midair 
to land on top for a two count. Number one then clotheslines Ron out of the ring while Tommy has a burlap bag placed around his head by Lee. And Don comes into the ring to nail a chair shot to number one. And he goes for a big boot. Only for number one to duck and go low before rolling Don up for a near fall as primetime makes the save. Number two with a clothesline takes Don out of the ring, leaving the Pitbulls and Dreamer in the ring alone with Lee. So they use chairs, soda cans, and a DDT from Tommy to gain control. They deliver a super bomb to primetime, with Tommy making the cover for the pin. And no! Raven runs down and hits a chair over the back of Dreamer to break up the pin. Raven then DDTs Tommy before rolling out, allowing the Bruise Brothers to return to the ring with chair shots to everybody, followed by chair-assisted big boots to the Pitbulls. Lee then places the two chairs on either side of Dreamer's head for stereo big boots from the Bruise Brothers, allowing Primetime to make the cover for the pin and the win. I mean, that's a risky and funny spot. It's like risky, funny, and then also pretty sure Tommy has to like hold the chairs up with his arms for a second for them to get the kick on. So it's like, ooh, that's a wild choice for you to make. Self-inflicted concerto. Yeah, my assumption is like one of them probably got one side and the other one got the other side, so at least they kind of went away. Because that could end really bad if somebody fucked up. Big balls on Dreamer there. Post-match, the attack continues. When Beulah would enter the ring to plead with Raven. Followed by Francine getting her out of harm's way. Because remember, she's pregnant. That's right. right. It'd be bad. Francine then turns around. Only for the Bruise Brothers to give her a big boot. Francine's just, you know, doing uh, the right thing. But you mean we really shouldn't be kicking them in the face? No. <laughs> the pit bulls jump back in the ring to stop the attack and brawl with the Bruise Brothers to the floor, while Tommy DDTs Raven a pair of times. Dreamer then sets up a table inside the ring and places Raven onto it, followed by the pit bulls super bombing <laughs> Tommy onto Raven's prone body. He's like, "All right, I'll take that spot, but I want." Uh... But I also want this other dangerous spot. Very funny stuff. Innovator of violence, guys. Remember the Super Nintendo? You think that was his idea? Probably a fan. Or, you know, I guess it was that. It was a regular Nintendo. So right. probably used a regular Nintendo because I'm sure Ian Rotten just bought a Super Nintendo and he's like, I don't need this anymore. I know we could use it in a ring. So we go to our eighth match. Mikey Whipwreck versus Sabu. And Joey tells us they are the only ECW Triple Crown winners. But I'd like to throw a couple caveats in here. Listen in. Sabu's heavyweight title reign technically came before they switched to Extreme. Oh. So in most official books, he still wasn't one as of this show. But if Joey is going to count it, then technically Johnny Hotbody is also... An ECW Triple Crown. Count it. It's fun to put Johnny Hobbody on the list. <laughs> he doesn't make many lists, so no, no. give him one. I also really appreciate that because we've been seeing Sabu have these like matches where he overcomes a guy that's much bigger than him. And we've been talking about how like Sabu matches don't really work that well with a large guy. But I love that after that gauntlet of 
big opponents, Mikey Whipwreck gets the spot when it's finally two two guys of similar size. Granted, Whipwreck is smaller, but you know what I mean. So I was excited because, like I've said off mic recently, these are my two favorite sloth boys of the ECW. And yes, Mikey uh, versus Sabu is a whole lot more exciting to uh, think about than Sabu and Mr. Uh, Hughes. Oh yeah, I was going to say, I was like, Mr. Hughes, <laughs> Big Val, Big, Big Val Puccio, was that one of them? I didn't face him. It okay. was Big Titan. It was Big Titan. That's what it was. I think there was a third one too, maybe. I don't remember. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It truly doesn't matter. <laughs> so, as everything's getting going, Sabu seems to have a problem with the security guard. Do you guys remember this? I don't remember that. I do know that it starts with a bit of mat wrestling, which I would I put. Uh, it it does go to that. Yes, but what was up with the security guard? I'm trying to remember. I have no clue. It's just like he was like have just like shoving him off and like okay and yelling at him. Before. Maybe it's just kind of like the maybe he was just being in character. Yeah, I, the homicidal, suicidal maniac right. thing. You're not nine one one. But it was very cute to see. The, the bit of mat wrestling. I was like, aw, so sweet. Yeah, they share some leg work. The homicidal one then tries to suplex Whipwreck onto the ropes, but Mikey ends up on the apron. So after a couple forearms, Sabu hits a top rope guillotine leg drop for a two count. I mean, starting big boys. Whipwreck blocks a whip and a hip toss and transitions into a rocker dropper and a drop kick to send the homicidal one out to the floor. Back in the ring, Sabu hits several hard right hands and a DDT before sliding out to throw a chair into the ring, which bounces off of Mikey's head. <laughs> the homicidal one then goes for Air Sabu, only for Whipwreck to avoid, followed by Mikey trying the same. But the homicidal one avoids as well. Air Mikey! Sabu then charges into a couple big boots, allowing Whipwreck to deliver a tornado DDT. Heads up top for a splash, only for the homicidal one to move. Sabu sets up the chair again to use as a launching point onto the ropes for a springboard moonsault. Wild shit. (laughs) Both men roll out of the ring to recover, with the homicidal one setting up a table across the guardrail and apron. Setting Mikey on it, and Sabu heads to the top turnbuckle, coming off with a double axe handle as Whipwreck had rolled off the table. The homicidal one throws Mikey into the crowd, followed by Sabu leaping off the table onto him before they go back into the ring for a two count. Whipwreck uses a low blow and an uppercut to get on the offensive, and he tries for another tornado DDT, only for the homicidal one to reverse into an atomic drop. Can't go back to the well, Mikey. Nope. Sabu sets Mikey on the top rope, and he goes up for a move, only to have Whipwreck just shove him off sending him crashing through the table. Uh, Good on you, Mikey, for making Sabu take the bump. Mikey follows out with a crossbody before tossing the homicidal one into the crowd. Goes back into the ring so he can deliver a slingshot plancha back out onto the concrete. They make it back into the ring where Whipwreck keeps it up with a leg drop for a near fall before applying an arm lock to wear down the homicidal one only for Sabu to escape and hit a slingshot somersault leg drop for a two count. The homicidal one with a devastating clothesline, a slingshot clothesline, and an Arabian press for a near fall. Sabu then goes for another slingshot somersault leg drop, but 
nobody's home. Hey, I mean, Sabu, you just saw how it worked out for Mikey going back to the well. Which allows Mikey to make it to his feet for a drop kick, sending the homicidal one out to the floor. Sabu then avoids a baseball slide, sends Whipwreck into a guardrail before setting up a table in the first row, placing Mikey on it. Get out of there, Mikey. The homicidal one then heads back into the ring with a chair, which he sets up to launch himself onto the ropes for a springboard somersault. Whew. But he completely sails over Whipwreck, <laughs> crashing through the other side of the table. <laughs> Oops. A fan ends up helping him get back to the ring, where Mikey capitalizes with an elbow drop, a German suplex, a top rope senton, a slingshot senton, and a top rope bulldog, all for two counts. Jesus. Big boy moves from my, from my little big guy, Mikey Whipwreck. Whipwreck hits a chair shot, and he looks to hit another, but the homicidal one just cowers away. So Mikey throws the chair down, and nails a left hand. I love the little Mikey character stuff. He's still a sweet man. Whipwreck then sets the chair up and tries to top rope Bulldog through it. But Sabu blocks with some elbows, right hands, and a chair shot. He follows by launching himself off the chair onto the ropes for a super Frankensteiner. For the pin. And, and the win. win. Post-match, the homicidal one encourages the fans to chant for Mikey. Before shaking hands with him. Giving him his flowers. Aww. So we go to our ninth match. Sandman and Two Cold Scorpio. With Missy Hyatt. Versus the headhunters of Mahim and Mofat. With Damian Kane and Lady Alexandria. Versus the gangsters of New Jack and Mustafa Saeed. In a three-way dance. Did you know that Lady Alexandria is Brandy Alexander? That was very silly. I did not. They say her name in here, and I was like, oh, Brandy. And of course, Missy Riot. The wa- or Missy Hyatt. The Walking, the walking Riot. Riot. Missy Riot. The Never Walking quiet. Hyatt. The yeah. Walking <laughs> Riot. Missy Hyatt. <laughs> so Sandman and Scorpio come out separately, so the entrances take twice as long. Skip five minutes ahead. I'm just kidding. It, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. May have, been more like, may have been more like seven or eight minutes. Well, you can listen to us. We're, we're not going to spend seven minutes. And I guess the sound guy got... Two Cole's music screwed up because oh, yeah. he, he gets on the mic it. and calls out, calls him out for it. Mm-hmm. Kick your ass, that happens again. And Joey doesn't believe the gangsters will be in the match because they went to jail earlier. Remember? Mm-hmm. Can't keep these guys out of can't keep these guys out of jail. Yes. As soon as the headhunters get in the ring, the brawl begins, with it making its way to ringside where chairs and guardrails are used. Scorpio moonsaults off the top rope into the crowd onto Mahim, while Sandman and Mofat keep running into each other's backs in the ring, followed by Mofat power-slamming Sandman. Two colds working over Rahim around ringside, while Sandman has recovered to deliver a top rope leg drop, eventually as he falls off the ropes at one point. (laughs) Yeah, it takes him a couple tries, and uh, we all know. I was like, damn, is that the best Sandman leg drop? And I was like, no, it just wasn't the worst one. He always does it like he's about to do the split somehow, and it's like, I don't know how this man has not just, like, ripped his, you know, ripped a muscle off of his fucking femur. Kane and Alexandria then jump in the ring, only for Missy to come in as well for the cat fight, while Sandman uses the kendo stick on Damien. Oh, by the way, Shane, 
probably your line, but our third Damien of the show. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I, I got your back. I that at the beginning. I, I got you know. back. I'm here yes. for you. The count is officially three Damien's, one show. Uh-huh. Damien 333. Oh, Massacre on Damien Street. <laughs> Security goes to separate the ladies, only for Kane to start beating one of them down for touching Alexandria. Now back in the ring, MoFat powerbombs Sandman, setting him up on a table that's in the ring, followed by coming off the top rope with a moonsault, Ooh. only to graze him so the table and Sandman just fall over. <laughs> Oof. That's too too much. You're too big. Yep. To be playing with fire like that. Mahim has taken Scorpio down inside the ring as well while that happened, and he continues the punishment with a top rope splash for a two count. The gangsters then arrive, still in handcuffs. Hell yeah. In the cop car. Using them to choke the headhunters. Kane and Sandman are dueling with chairs on the outside when the eliminators run down hitting chair shots on the gangsters before delivering total elimination to Mustafa. The headhunters at this point just decide they don't need this mess, and they just go to the back. I can't blame them, and maybe one of the headhunters just really fucked himself up. Yeah. <laughs> it's my guess, I don't know. I mean, done hurt his head. Yeah, either way, these boys don't need to be here. Sandman and Too Cold face off with the eliminators, but Perry and Cronus just roll out of the ring, leaving the gangsters to be attacked. Scorpio then hits a top rope moonsault on Jack, while Sandman goes up top, only to realize Saeed is too far away. So he just drops down, and then hits a running elbow drop. Yeah, he's like, I'm not making that. I I feel like the gravity is different for the Sandman. He is the, the flight of a penguin. Too Cold makes a cover on New Jack for a near fall, as he gets shoulder and his middle finger up. It was an incredible character moment. New Jack is real. Everyone's brawling out on the floor using canes, chairs, guardrails, the ring apron, and into the bleachers. Sandman drops an elbow from the apron onto Jack before a slingshot leg drop back into the ring. Awa, Scorpio, and Mustafa continue to brawl in the crowd. They make their way back to ringside where Sandman flies over the ropes with a biscotto onto Saeed while Too Cold goes into the ring to hit a running chair shot to New Jack. More chairs are being used out of the floor, while Scorpio sets up one in the ring to faceplant Jack into. Mustafa then makes his way into the ring to help with Too Cold, hitting a neckbreaker, painfully slow neckbreaker, before lifting him up for a doomsday device as New Jack comes off the top rope. Saeed follows that up with a running power slam, and Jack comes off the top rope with a chair shot, for the pin and, and the win. That chair shot looked painful. Mm-hmm. And then Joey says his goodbyes as we fade to black. Yep. So the gangsters are baby faces, which is hilarious. I guess so. Eliminators getting booed as hell. When they come in and total eliminate Mustafa, they put the X up and everyone's like, The gangsters, the heels are the faces in ECW most of the time. Pretty pretty interesting. A lot less New Jack in that match. Maybe it was just because there's so many people there, what the camera focused on. But I was like, he still had maybe the best moment of the match. As I lift my middle finger and move my shoulder forward. So I ask you gentlemen, what are your overall thoughts 
of Massacre on Queens Boulevard. Some good stuff. Some ECW stuff. Mm. Yeah, it's like it's, yeah. Like yeah. Not, it's a tough one. It's like it's like maybe uh, it had like, its shining yeah. moments, but there's just there, there are some fun moments. Yeah, it might not be fifty fifty. It might be like forty percent good and sixty percent like. I mean, Drug? I th- I think the biggest thing is that the two walk and brawls bring it down, yeah, just enough that it's basically just a average show. And what's funny is that the the ex king of the walking brawl has arguably his best match, thanks to Shane Douglas, the the old king, because you know the walk and brawl they get changed out pretty quickly. It seems like throughout ECW, where yeah. it's like, okay, here's our new tag team yeah. to do that. And, yeah, because it seems like we've seen too many varieties of Sandman and Scorpio versus Gangstas versus Insert Team here. Headhunters, Eliminators. Public Enemy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's, it's, it's time to mix it up. You know, keep we, one of those yeah. teams, throw in two other teams or something. Do some singles between a variety of them. But yeah, when you're finishing every show with a tag match that features two of the same teams every time, it starts to get a little. I mean, I, I'm pretty and... sure the gangsters and the eliminators will start. They're basically in a program now, so that'll move them away from that. Mm-hmm. Salmon and Scorpio both get into different things as well here pretty quickly, so they get away from that tag team as yeah, well. Yeah, it's moving on. Yeah. It's kind of like how I was talking about. It's like this is getting old the same way that Bubba was getting old, and then they shoot Devon in there, and it's like, oh, somebody just. Gave me a hit of crack, which is, you know, that's why I only say that because we're at ECW. Maybe it was a bump of coke. I don't know. I don't know what these that's guys are doing. Yeah, they're not rich enough yet for coke. Yeah, yeah. Crack's ECW. Coke okay. is WCW. Yeah, it's, I mean, you know. Meth is WWF. Oh, really? I don't know. Okay. Flip <laughs> WCW and WWF. I mean, either way. Yeah, either coke is more expensive. We're, we don't know if these guys are uh, using. I think they're making more in WCW. They got that not yet. billionaire Ted money. Yeah, so we get. That Devon shows up and we're like, ah, oh, this feels great. Jericho and Taz, while it's not well shot, it's a good character moment for Taz. Sabu's finally away from the big boys. Great character moment, putting over Mikey Whipwreck, because you basically kind of have two faces here. And Axel Rotten had a good match. Shane Douglas had a great promo. The good stuff is good and interesting, but the stuff that we always complain about going on too long did not tighten up. Agreed. Sandman's intro has got to be contained. Because you can't have that intro, and then it's like 15 minutes of like in-ring stuff that really didn't go anywhere, so we didn't talk on it hard because there was no like big weird angle or anything. No. It just was like, ah. Like I said, I had half a page of notes before the bell rang. Same stuff that we've seen before, just with the headhunters in mm-hmm. there this time. And, you know, and the headhunters, all that happened was one man almost killed himself, and then they walked away. Yep. Yep. I And they he probably didn't get paid enough for that for that spot that he should Maybe not have done. If he didn't screw up the spot. <laughs> yeah, but he should have a spot. Maybe they were originally supposed do. to win. Yeah, I'm sure they were supposed <laughs> to win, Jay. We all know the right guys won. Good. Where, where's the smart marks at? All right. Fuck you. I think it's time we smark it up. Smart, 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 smart. So, what are some of the best moments of the show? All of uh, New Jack and Mikey. 
I'm uh, a they are, I am a fan of both of them. Sabu and Mikey. Sabu, my gosh, <laughs> of Sabu and Mikey because I'm just such a fan of them, and uh, it was really fun. It looked like that they were having a, a good time as well, and that there was uh, mutual sloppy respect as they uh, had an ECW match without it being a like nasty you know walk and brawl like they kept it they kept doing moves yeah it was like a it was like a a train wreck version of a like uh super junior or j-cup show you know what i mean i mean that matches an ecw match through and through yeah That's yeah exactly sure. what i expect from an ecw match it's what we it's, want more often than we get sometimes it's super fun there you can see the talent of the people but it still brings the the extreme and it's 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 raw, not to be make a pun, but like the, the these guys are uh, really putting themselves out there, and they're probably being safe inside of the fact that they're not being safe, <laughs> but like or at least attempting to, but they're not uh, holding themselves back. Devon showing up, yeah. I mean, yeah, he lost he, his voice. he just injects. Some life into the Dudley. So thing, much which, energy. Which, I mean, you had said previously that you were kind of getting tired of the whole thing. Yeah. I, I still think Bubba is fun. Yeah. Like, in small doses. I don't need to see a whole they, bunch of him. They injected the... the it was the right time. Before Bubba got... Too still. Yeah. yeah, it was like right right when I, like, I was pretty over it. But the crowd wasn't. And they, right before it, probably got stale for ECW fans. They just shot it right up, and he came out and really had maybe one of, it's hard to tell, but maybe one of the best first appearances as far as a new character yes. goes. Yeah. Not a star from Somewhere you know the else. past or from a, another promotion coming mm-hmm. in. This is a guy that, I'm sure he's been around, but this is, nobody knows who the fuck he is. Mm-hmm. None of the, uh, like... I mean, same match still, but the the whole... Full-blooded Italians, or you know, the the family reunion. G- giving Damian Stone his name. Yeah, yeah. and giving giving um, JT because he just felt like he's out been out there alone and like he needs a partner so we can have two smaller guys do tag matches. I mean, we we now have a we now yeah. another tag team that's that we can in, inject into the tag team division that you know are smaller some, some different matches yeah, smaller kind of comedy guys that yeah. uh, are not. I mean, they, okay with making I mean literally with this one match, because the Dudleys were the comedy tag team, and now in this one match you basically have taken the Dudleys to more of a serious, mm-hmm. while Guido and Smith can be the comedy are now the comedy tag team. Yep. Yeah. Great. And you did it all in one match there. Intelligent. Intelligent stuff. Axel Rotten. I enjoyed that match. Yeah, that was Way a good match. I thought I would. The. Le- it's the triple jump moonsault, yeah, basically, where he jumps off the chair onto the ropes and then springboards back over the chair onto Mikey. Like insane. That's just that's. A, there's a reason we call him the homicidal one. It's because he's about to kill himself every time he does one of these moves. He's avoided death by and paralyzation. He broke his neck early into his. He broke his own neck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we don't. Yeah, I'm so glad that Sabu didn't ever Hayabusa himself because 
I don't want that for anybody. Yeah. And yeah, it was extremely, don't look it up, guys. It's awful to see the Hayabusa spot. But my God, Sabu almost does it every fucking night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not the best show, but the, the, the moments that stick are memorable. Like, I will remember that Queens Boulevard had those moments. Devon, Mikey, and even uh, Shane Douglas pulling Axel to a wrestling match. It's an ECW wrestling match, but it's a wrestling match. How about most disappointing? Too many Damians. I mean, I mentioned it in my overall. The the two walking brawls. Like, there, there are fun spots in each of those walking brawls, but just that there's two of them, and they go on just a little bit too long. What I mean, the best part of any of the walk and rolls is probably the gangsters coming in, handcuffed I mean, and once, choking. That, them with well, their that's the thing. Is like once that's the great. gangsters hit the ring in the three-way dance, yeah. that, that match goes to a different level. Yeah, completely. gangsters are so over. They're coming out with handcuffed, still kicking ass. Mustafa immediately gets a total and by elimination, no and they like, win. I think the Headhunters and Sandman 2 Squirt, they, they did a fine job. Mm-hmm. Like, there was nothing atrocious about what they were doing. It was just... We've seen... We've seen it. Yes. And it was just like... We, we've seen we the other to... versions of it, and I actually like the other versions better. Yeah. The whole... Come on, I want to lay you out in the middle of the ring and kick the shit out of you bit with Raven and Stevie and Little Miss Kimona... That, um, does, that does play into a storyline. I'm sure it that, does. That's coming up. So. It does. But I just did not like the whole I mean, slapping women around thing. Just No one ever likes that. No, but I mean, ECW at the time loves it, but, uh, you know, we don't love it. Francine, Francine takes all the big bumps. He really does. Fucking a real, a real queen. Back to best moments for a moment. Mm-hmm. Dreamer taking the Power double bump. chair... Big oh, boot yeah. thing. Yeah, like, that was insane. I was just, when it happened. I like when I first saw, like, I if, that that's, a if times. that's the one thing that the Bruise Brothers are ever known for, is that like pretty, pretty, like that's pretty cool. I'll give it to yeah. them. If that nobody's doing that spot, you can't do that a bunch of times. You shouldn't have done it the first time. You really could have just uh, that guy's brains could have leaked out of his ear if something went wrong. And it's also happening in the middle of like a crazy ECW brawl. It's not like a post-match thing where yeah. they do it to him so they can like be focused and set up. It's like in the midst of all this insanity is when they did it. So it's like even more dangerous because the amount of distraction or somebody else getting in the way, like yeah. pretty crazy shit. Uh, we mentioned it during the actual talk of the match, but the production crew paying more attention to Alfonso and... Todd Gordon on the outside. Yeah, like it really took away Taz the, in the ring. took away the juice from both Jericho and, and Taz. Taz. Yeah, like the, it, it was it, big moves. The, it was that match wasn't about them. It was about Gordon and Alfonso. That's true, but we all prefer Taz. You just have Gordon I mean, and Alfonso have a yeah, and Jericho. I want to see another Taz Jericho just straight up match. Like mm-hmm. they had a good match the first time. Mm-hmm. We should put him in a put uh, Alfonso in the shark cage, <laughs> <laughs> but they don't have shark cage money. I mean, Billy Black should never be on our TV screens yeah. again. <laughs> but, yeah. God Billy Black made his 50 bucks. God bless Shaw for having to have those matches against the people that I don't really care to watch at all. Including him. I'm uh, I'm not pro Shaw. I thought you were with all your Shaw talking. About. Yeah, it's fun to say Shaw. <laughs> I mean, that's really the only reason to like the dude. Yeah, that's why they like him too. But it's just like, I just like saying it, it's fun. 
Yeah. How about best performer of the night? Hmm. I think it's Shane Douglas. Yeah, I'm gonna, it's going Shane Douglas promo. He just he just, he just took Axel Rotten to a, a good match, very good match. And I mean, there was the one mess up, but yeah. I'm willing to overlook the one because TCW. Probably no, it may not even be a mess up. It might not have been. <laughs> yeah, I think what they were trying to do was right. It just came out a little sloppy. It wasn't as crispy, but I think that was probably the intended type of spot. Yeah, uh, it just got a little lost in translation, but. Shane Douglas, yeah. always a great promo. I mean, and then it's either for me, it's either Shane or Devon, just because Devon came out Devon there and just set well. the whole stage on fire. Devon right added energy to a show that's full of energetic man plus Sandman and Raven. They both have the. I'd say New Jack is up there as well. Oh yeah, that's New Jack's middle thing. finger. The middle finger thing. <laughs> that's that was so good. good. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, I was really surprised with how little New Jack was in that match, because New Jack, you know, normally stands out. Or they focus on him a little more. But with that much amount of stuff going on, it just probably might be a camera thing. And we know that he's the one that's going to make the pin most of the time. Yep. And if somebody takes a pin, it's going to be Mustafa. Even though he's huge, he just doesn't have the huge personality. How about most surprising? The Blue Mini Sunday. Oof. Forgot about it already. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is back to most disappointing a little bit on this, but that. They literally put forward a Taz versus Jericho match, and it was a watch these guys watch these two guys out here yeah. do this thing, like not focusing on the match. Yeah, it feels like, like a waste. So of it's it's, su- it's surprising that that ECW would do something like that. It, if that feels like a very WCW type thing, <laughs> not an ECW thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, they may be telling that story, but in ECW, usually it's still focused on what's going on in the ring, and then Joey is telling us what's happening. Yeah, which serves its purpose. It's fine. We can hear the whistle, but it's not the Blue Meanie Sunday. It's the Blue Waffle. Whatever you want to call it. The, the Blue Awful. <laughs> blue in the face. Whatever you want to yeah, call it. I don't it. know if Shane's aware, but it's a really <laughs> gross picture from the internet yeah. Oh, yeah. from years ago. I... Oh, you're aware? Okay, good. I mean, but not good, but, you know. I know stuff. Mm-hmm. Making their way to the ring. It's trivia time. Woo. This week, the category is What's in a Name? It's just a name, a name, a name, a name. What's in a name? What's in a name? Hey, every time you say that, there's a... It's a Green Day song. I don't even know which song it is. I think it's off warning. But they say, what's in a name? And then he does like a, like a weird hey afterwards. That I can't do well. But every time you say it, I'm like, oh, what's that Green Day song? It's a big Green Day fan in middle school. So I'm going to give you the name of a wrestler. Okay. Their real shoot name. You're going to tell their, me. Their Christian name. Yep. And you're going to tell me which wrestler that is. Alright. I'll give you five points. Barry Horowitz. Barry Horowitz. <laughs> Ring in. If you get it correct, I'll give you five points. If we go to multiple choice, I'll give you three. Okay. So the name is Chris Chavis. Chris Chavis. Chavez? C-H-A-V-I-S? Yep. Eh. Shane? I don't know why. <laughs> Going for Tatanka. Ooh, that is a fun guess. That is correct. Oh my gosh! Hey, give me a pound. Damn, Damn you earned every se- every little bit of that. Never would have guessed that. You know who I forgot about? <laughs> Tatanka? Absolutely. 
I feel like it's been a while since we've seen him. It yeah, has been a while. So that's why, because we're but doing we questions from 93, 94. 94, but we're over here in 96. You know we haven't seen in 96? We have not seen Tatanka. Have not. Ka fucking Tonka. <laughs> Might be a little while before we see him again. Mm-hmm. Next week, Hostel City Showdown, 1996. Every time we go to New York, the we'll next show is a Philly ECW show, it seems like. The few times we've done ECW shows in New York, it's like, and then the next one. And there's one where it was a double show. One night and then the next night. Yeah. Music from this week's show is Thunderkiss 65. 5-5. Five, five. Yeah. By Rob Zombie. And Gangsters won our main event, so we play their theme, Natural Born Killers by Dre and Ice Cube. And it's White Zombie. Rob Zombie wrote the song, sir. I know. But White Zombie's better. If you like this episode or any of our other ones, rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcast at. Do as Michael says. And give us 65555 stars. Or no stars. (laughs) If you have any questions, comments, concerns. If you want to tell me what your favorite white zombie song is or Rob Zombie movie. I don't know if that's something. Or, you know. You, if you know what those Philadelphians eat that's not a cheesesteak or a beverage that I have not created yet for Philly, I'm always looking for Philly ideas. Philly, 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 Philly. But you can send us those on our email at wrestlinghistoryx at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, if it's still around, at wrestlinghistox. That's wrestling, H-I-S-T-O-X. We'll talk to you next week. Philly, 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 Philly. Laters. Philly.